0: Recorded live and podcast on iTunes, it's the Underdog Lawyer Podcast. And now, here's Michael Fuller. My name is Mike
1: Fuller. I'm the Underdog Lawyer. This is the Underdog Lawyer Podcast. Self-proclaimed underdog lawyer, I might add. That was not an award that was given out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not to be mistaken with all these national recognitions. Uh,
0: No, maybe I should start. They have the super lawyers. I should start the underdog lawyers.
1: The super lawyer is some self-proclaimed... Crap, too, that big I want City it so first. bad. I want it so bad. I really do.
0: It is, it is nothing but bullshit. Okay, it's a bunch of I'll tell you what, Mike. I'll nominate you to be a super lawyer if you nominate that, me to
1: be a super lawyer. Oh, is that how? That's how you get nominated to be a super lawyer? Well, I'll That's tell
0: you exactly what, Jason. It. I think you're right in line for an underdog lawyer nomination. <laughs> uh, keep your fingers crossed for 2015. I can't wait. I am the National Chairman of the Consumer Protection Group, the law firm of Olson Danes, and you're listening to Jason Seibert, who's my guest today. He practices securities transactions and white-collar defense at the Salem, Oregon Law Offices of FJ Cyber LLC. What is that, Jason? You go by Jason, but your first name starts with an F, huh? Yeah,
1: it's Franklin. It's family name, but Franklin is too Frankliny uh, for for me. I prefer Jason. Yeah. See, I find that weird because
0: if it was me and I'm like getting into, you know, law is a pretty conservative profession. Franklin, you know, there's First Franklin Bank, Benjamin Franklin. It's very, you know, prestigious. And then Jason is like nobody has a grandpa named Jason. You're kind of starting fresh with Jason. Why? Why not just be Franklin Cyber?
1: Well. Uh- First of all, Jason is a very old name. It's a very very good name. Oh, yeah,
0: all those biblical figures named Jason. I forgot
1: about that. Actually, I guess there's none named Franklin either. I'm I'm very blessed to be named Jason. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, I prefer Franklin. Can I call you Franklin? No. Okay. So uh, today we're going to talk about a Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia study. We're also going to... discuss what type of lawyer is best to defend against an fdcpa lawsuit and finally we'll field a few questions from consumers that have been submitted to our producer jonas how old are you jonas i am 14 and we did a test run and jonas said i something along the lines of he was bored to tears having to listening to this and listening to two lawyers talk about the law was not anything that he enjoyed but you know jonas's first
1: name is franklin but he doesn't go by franklin
0: yeah well, but he also has Jonas, which is a very, like, biblical name. Uh, we, all, we all know the story that's absolutely true about the guy who got swallowed by a whale, That's right? Jonah, not Jonas. Whatever. Wait. All right, smart guy. <laughs> Where'd you go to college? <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, well, can I call him Franklin at least? No. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you've got a couple questions that you can uh, give to us later, right, Jonas? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with the study by the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. I'm sure this is what everybody was talking about this morning before they rushed off to work. Probably not. (laughs) uh, The study basically looked at state regulation of banks and lending practices and concluded that stricter debt laws actually harm consumers because they reduce access to credit. Our uh, friends over at the Debt Collection Drill, it's a podcast, and a high-quality podcast, much better than ours, uh, put on by the law firm of Moss and Barnett out of Minneapolis, they agree. They think the study is long overdue, and that uh, they they agree with its conclusions.
1: Jason, what say you? Well, uh, you know, first of all, uh, I don't think anybody cares what what I think. I, th- I think the well, that's the, a given. But we're know, trying the, to the, do a the, podcast here, <laughs> so let's let's hear what you have the, to say. The the listener to this podcast, right? Uh, the average person wants to know why why they care about this study, and the why they care is is that for the last. You know, six years uh, since the subprime meltdown, you've had a complete and total reversal of the amount of money that's being lent in this country how much to the money, average day Joe.
0: How much money do average day Joes need lent to them?
1: Um, well, look. It's a fairly
0: new phenomenon that that consumers cannot survive without having lines of credit. That's not to, true. Uh, yeah, that is true. No, it's not. Sure it is. No no see, Before credit cards, what were there? Lines of credit and loans.
1: Yeah, you take out and a And what note. do you
0: need a loan? What do you need a note for? A vehicle, maybe a home? Sure. Those are those are once in a lifetime purchases, a few no, times no, no, in a lifetime no, no. purchases. And, and, what do you see, what is you're this?
1: you're excluding the small business owner, you're excluding you no, know, look, business l- owners are not business owners. Business loans generally is, aren't subject to the consumer protections that govern
0: we, consumer finance.
1: But that's where, see, when in in your little myopic, narrow world that you practice, this refers to harm to consumers, not yeah. businesses. And businesses are consumers. Okay, and not there's...
0: in the sense that we're talking about here. Businesses can fend for themselves.
1: I'm talking about oh, his... please! Businesses can fend for themselves, Absolutely. right? Because they got awarded the second that they signed up to be a business, they got that little key fob that got them into the U.S. Treasury for their automatic print your own money license. Is that what you're it's suggesting? It's
0: laissez faire. I have no problem oh. letting businesses fend for themselves and analyzing their own risk. But when you're talking about that's the
1: difference. You work for a big firm. I work for myself. I, I, I'm I, a small I, business owner. When well, I work for a medium sized firm.
0: But I'm a consumer first and foremost, and I don't have any credit. I don't have credit cards, as you know. I have no car loans. I have no home loans. Because I have an assload of student loans. Lawyer that oh, please! Can, you know, I, his own ticket I everywhere do not you disclose my income if the IRS is listening. Um, oh, that's not right, my so business.
1: back on point, you asked whether or not uh, the study was correct, and I agree the study is correct. The how can the, you
0: possibly agree with that? Reducing access to credit
1: um, here, here, is a here's harm for consumers. The the people that come to see you, all right. Would not be in the position they were in if they were extended some form of good basic credit. Who if needs they were credit? Given What, some for, what for, Jason? Explain. Explain to me. All right. So let, let's say you've got, uh, for whatever reason, medical you know, bills.
0: Right, those come up, and you, and you need a way to pay. And your doctor's not going to work for free. Your doctor's a cash only type of guy. He's like a drug dealer. You're not going to right.
1: Work so back in the back float. In the day, right, if you were a homeowner and you had some catastrophic medical thing that came out, and you didn't have, uh, you know, adequate insurance to cover that. You could go to the bank and you could take out some form of an equity loan on your home and cash in all homeowners that savings, already all that, have that hard we're work. We're not talking about homeowners here. No, no, no. You're talking about lending to the consumers. So that type of loan that used to be available is no longer available based on these restrictions and, and, the, and the higher scrutiny that's put on lending today. So I can't go out and, and get a, a home equity loan uh, as a homeowner to be able to pay for other things. Regular I people do don't that. own
0: homes with equity sure in do. them.
1: Sure They, they used to
0: no before you buy it you don't rush out and spend every last dime you have to buy a home god forbid you, you put together some sort you, of a savings you brought up
1: medical bills i'm telling right. you the way that it is and today you're talking about people, people that don't already have, have access to, to home today's loans today's people don't have uh, no, no 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 no, no. The, the person this is designed to the study shows that that average person that might seven years ago had an access to a home loan can't get a home loan today who needs a home loan everybody
0: yeah that's ridiculous i don't have a home loan i'm doing just fine but you don't own a home either no, and I don't want to own a
1: home, but because if I, why because the loan you, is just a means to the end. You prefer uh, giving other people money. You 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 are a redistributionist socialist, aren't you? No,
0: it's not a risk I prefer to take on at this point in my life. I don't need to own a home to feel like a man. You but know?
1: the point is, other people do, and that's what the study. And if they
0: want about. to. Okay, so everybody's burdened with a little bit higher interest rate, and in exchange for that, we don't have so many people filing no, bankruptcy. A, the the who problem are is you have to the, lowest, yeah, the lowest
1: interest rates of all time happening right now, based on quantitative easing, quantitative easing, and all the other practices put out by President Obama these days to make cash liquid. But the problem is, it's not liquid because the banks are not lending it. Okay, so who? I, d- I would love to be able to say, okay, I've got my original home loan that I had from 2005. I can't get that refinanced because I'm a small business owner. Uh, I'm not, apparently, I'm not trustworthy even though I'm an attorney. I'm paying a combined 11% on my home loans. I'd love to have it. Uh refinanced at four percent like the average person who has good credit can but I can't get that done because I'm not creditworthy. the traditional subprime lender well that sounds like your that problem that's,
0: that has nothing to do with but regulating predatory loans
1: everybody else out there now now here's the requiring thing. Regu-
0: disclosures I mean these things are harming consumers that's just insane
1: no, there, so there's a difference between the predatory lending practices or the liar loans that were out there before that yes, those need to be regulated, those need to be restricted. I would agree with that. Because okay, what about
0: honest disclosures? Plain English disclosures. Those are harming consumers?
1: No, 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 no. Th- what about private rights of action?
0: Letting a consumer actually represent themselves f- in court when they've been subject to an alleged predatory loan? All of that's those are harming fine. consumers? The, the, well, the that's what the study's is, talking about.
1: But the problem is the pendulum. I'm talking about the end of the day pragmatic end result. Okay. Yeah, that is more expensive. No, credit is not more expensive. Drugs are more expensive when they're regulated. Credit is not more expensive today. You keep bad drugs off the market and people are more healthy. Credit is cheaper today than it was during the housing boom. Fact.
0: Well, then that's what seemed to cut against this study because we have stricter regulations today than we did Ah, then.
1: No, there's a difference between strict regulations and price of credit. All right, we have to move on. So, What style lawyer? We have to move on. Before we
0: move on. Oh, please, what do we got?
1: There's a difference between strict regulations, who gets the loan, versus what the cost of that loan is. And right now, those regulations are are restricting who can get the loan versus the loan that's available. If you can qualify for a loan today, you've got the cheapest credit that's available out there right now.
0: Good well, luck. Well, and if you can't Good qualify, luck. you might want to consider yourself lucky because when the next boom comes around and everybody's moving out of their homes and filing bankruptcy with the firm of Olson Danes, you will not be because you avoided, plug. because you avoided consumer credit like me and you have no credit cards and you live on a cash basis and cash is king. Let's move on. Um, what style lawyers best to defend against an FTCPA lawsuit? As you know, all I do for work is sue debt collectors and banks, and a lot of the suits I file are FTCPA lawsuits. There's two types of lawyers you run into at the other end of these um, lawsuits those that drink the Kool Aid and those that don't. Those that um, are you know, professional lawyers, they were. You know externs
1: in federal court. Are you there. sponsored by Kool Aid? I'm just curious. Was that a was that a product placement ad? No,
0: I think it's a Jim Jones reference. Isn't that the guy that uh, had them all drink? You're talking Kool-Aid? about mass suicide. Well, you know, not directly. Not directly
1: appropriate, wouldn't you know?
0: So tell me, Jason, who's the better lawyer: the one that uh, hates consumers, loves debt collectors, hates guys like me, and is out for blood, or the one that's really just a businessman in lawyer's clothing who's going to try to? get their client out of the lawsuit, probably by offering settlement money early? That's a really charged and loaded
1: question. Um,
0: Well, you you defend white-collar criminals, alleged white-collar criminals. I
1: do. I I defend... So what's best? I do those types of actions. Do you
0: throw throw your client under the bus early and offer some cash to get away, or do you rack up your bill and then maybe you make them an offer after you've had a chance to fleece them for five or ten years? Okay,
1: objection, compound question. Uh, (laughs) Now, You you asked me one question first, which is what kind of a lawyer is a better lawyer in order to defend debt collection agencies, and then you're asking me about white-collar crime. A debt collection agent that's attempting to collect a debt is not a white collar criminal. That's a civil action. These well, are they're both, things. but yeah. Well, in your opinion, it's criminal. They're being prosecuted civilly. The in this case. the um. So who's better? The aggressive guy's
0: nice because if you've got some like, you know, some idiot, honestly, who's representing consumers on the side and who who goes online and downloads an FDCPA form and
1: or doesn't you know, know what they're doing, doesn't know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. I'd rather go with the aggressive bloat, who can go in
1: there, rabble-rouse. You're say, talking about the guy that walks into the courtroom and tosses out the grenade and laughs hysterically as everybody dies. You know, that kind of a lawyer Those is guys not are a nice. Good lawyer. It's not they, a good lawyer. They
0: serve a purpose. Sometimes you just need to say, listen, here's $1,000. Get out of here. You're a
1: deadbeat. I'm not paying you anything more, and I'll see you in hell. Look, some, some would say that suicide bombers for the Taliban serve a purpose as well, but I don't want them representing me, okay, if I'm talking about a legal action. And, and what you want is the person that's going to do careful... Uh, strategy, and it is not going to harm your name later. And well, but these
0: are debt collectors. Some, some debt collector in Minneapolis look, collector doesn't collector give a, a shit what about he, what their name is in Oregon. Don't, they, they don't who, care. Hold on a minute. Let,
1: let's, let's, these look at the, let's look at the that, way that the debt collector actually got involved to, to begin with. You have a consumer that signed a contract, said, yes, I'm going to engage in this. You're going to give me some form of deal, usually money. Allegedly. And then that, a lot of consumers pertin- signed nothing, and they're just being hounded to pay debts they don't know. That's uh, most consumers who well, file. please. How often does that happen?
0: Well, when you look at the... Never! Compared to all the consumer transactions out there, it's rare. But when compared to all the lawsuits that are filed, it's a fairly common occurrence. Most people don't
1: sue debt collectors for no reason. Okay. The majority of the time that someone sues a debt collector is because they're attempting to collect a debt that they've already got in dispute, that the debt's supposed to be on hold because it's in bankruptcy, okay? or Or somehow they didn't know the debt to begin with. You don't hear about, you know, what what the listener needs to know is that nine times out of ten... If you sign the deal and you took the money and you owe the money, you have to pay it back, all right? This is not a show, and this shouldn't be a show, that teaches people or tries to convince people that they can get out of legal, honest debt that they've contracted.
0: What lawyer to. would take a case on behalf of a client who doesn't have a good FDCPA claim? You would. Why would I ever do that? I,
1: because you like to throw the grenade.
0: The thing is about throwing
1: it? the grenade is that you win at the end of the day. So you don't do that? Of course not. Okay. I'm just, no, I'm just. I'm referring
0: to debt collection defense attorneys who will come in and bluster, and threaten you with sanctions, and threaten your client, and threaten to review your client's medical charts, and serve you with a bunch well, of those discovery, guys are and refuse to waive disclosures. And those guys are assholes. So right, but is that a good? Is that what you want? Sometimes that. Sometimes I, my argument is that sometimes you do need that type of lawyer because you get you run into these corduroy wearing plaintiffs attorneys you're that don't know about, what they're doing. You're and talking
1: about the kind of lawyer that walks in and screams the Chewbacca defense. I mean. Look, that, that's, sometimes it's that's effective. Not for me. Sometimes the,
0: it's effective. The
1: effective lawyer is going to keep the costs down for their client, actually resolve the issues, and not go to trial. That's the kind of lawyer that you want at any point in time is the one that can solve. But then, it then,
0: don't you just encourage problems. these pea shooting plaintiffs lawyers to just continue to pick on you if you're known to just pay the
1: well? Pay eventually, you have to, to draw away? the line in the sand, right? I mean, eventually, if you've got you know a, a pea shooter attorney that likes to just jump in with guns blazing, saying, "I don't care," you know, "damn the torpedoes." uh... and that debt collection uh, company says i need to you know put a stop to this kind of abusive thing then maybe they'll draw a line in the sand and at that point i think that company's strategy isn't necessarily to go after the plaintiff or the original debtor who's bringing the claim but i think at that point you take a look long hard look at the attorney and the practices that they're doing you wrap them all up compile them and see if there isn't some form of sanctional act- sanctionable action against the attorney themselves for bringing uh, some form of sanctional event under Rule Eleven of uh, the FRCPs, I've been threatened with sanctions
0: in every case I've tried. But apparently, you've that's a out com- of it. obviously it's a common tactic. It, they're all baseless. It's
1: but not that baseless. Is
0: a, once you once you know that your client has broke the law and your client refuses to admit that they broke the law, and that attorney's client, the consumer, is that's a part of what they want to get out of the lawsuit is a determination they were right and the debt collector's wrong. Once you know that and you're defending the debt collector. Really, you're only left with you know, personal attacks and ethical attacks on the attorney, procedural maneuvering. Well, sure. I mean, my general rule of
1: thumb is that tactics. when someone starts calling me an asshole, it usually means I've got a good case and I'm going to win. The, the, yeah. the point I'm trying to make is the plaintiff's lawyer that brings a case that isn't worthy needs to be dealt with. And those are usually the times that I would advise a company to draw the line in the sand and not give in to the multiple extortionist demands that that attorney makes based on filing as many claims as they can. Can a big firm lawyer do that, though? Big firm
0: deal. lawyers have their own reputations. Big firm lawyers are not going to come out and pull out the big guns and be aggressive. They're not going to want to be seen as a bully. First of all, it's always the client's decision. Always. Well, some attorneys are just not going to be bullies. They're just not
1: going to do it. They're not in that business. Well, yeah, and some attorneys were castrated the second that they you know, got their law degree. That's was, true, too. And you know. it seems to me that a most
0: of the people doing this debt collection defense, well, deck Jonas, do FTC you even know defense. what
1: castrated means?
0: No, and I don't think I want to.
1: All right, fair enough. He's fourteen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think, I probably didn't know either. Well, that's a good enough segue. Let's move on, Jonas. Do we have any questions from the website? Yeah, we have two. The first one from Brandon in Portland. He says, Sally Mae won't work with me and continue to harass my family with phone calls. They say I need to pay them the full balance or the phone calls will continue. What can I do?
1: Brandon, you're screwed.
0: Um, So Sally Mae, and I've litigated this issue, Sally Mae is allegedly able to violate
1: State consumer protection. They're laws. not violating any laws. You've got federal preemption that comes in here. So, it's a federal law that lets them do it. They're not violating anything. So Sally May can uh, harass
0: people, and when you sue them for harassment, they say they're just acting pursuant to federal law, and that the harassment claim is preempted, meaning you can't do anything. Legally. And the
1: Ninth Circuit agrees.
0: Ninth Circuit does agree. Um, so what what do you do? You try to figure, you try to um, distinguish between what they're doing and legitimate debt collection, and you look at the Treasury regulations line by line and try to find um, distinguishing, but try to distinguish between what's actually happening here, which is your family's being harassed, and what is supposed to happen, which is good debt, good honest debt collection. Okay, so so the You're actual, still probably shit out of luck
1: though. But but the answer for Brandon is Brandon. They can call you. One. They can call you. Two. You can't make them stop. Uh, you know, three, if you really do want to make them stop, there is a way, most likely-ish, it's called a nuclear option that's contacting a bankruptcy attorney, maybe filing, is it chapter 13? You could file a chapter 13, and that would
0: stay the collection efforts. Um, You know, it, but it's a horrible, it, it is a nuclear option because you're essentially racking up uh, penalties and interests on that loan. Yeah. You probably can't pay that loan off with any priority over your other creditors in the bankruptcy, and it's just going to be a problem waiting for you when you get done. And if you're still a student and you're still taking out loans, those new loans you take out aren't going to be subject to that bankruptcy stay. Yeah.
1: Um, Brandon, the, at the end of the day, they, they get to call you until the law changes. How do you change the law? Call your call your congressman. Call
0: your congressman and vote Democrat, honestly. Oh, Jonas, please. do we have any other... Uh, please. What's the other question that we have?
1: Um, our final question is from Kelly in
0: Kentucky. She says that her dad's debt collectors keep calling me for payday loans. They won't stop. Do they have to? So legally they do, but what can you do about it? Not a lot. Uh, in the case of these payday loan collectors, a lot of them are overseas or boiler shop operations. Um, not a lot can be done. Jason, have you had I any just, luck? I disagree.
1: Uh, there's a lot that can be done about uh, curbing They're debt not legitimate, activities. though. You but can, they, are they spoof legitimate. their
0: phone numbers. You don't know who they are. Who are you going to sue? Uh, hold, hold on. Who are you okay, going to sue? You're
1: asking two different things, Mike. All right. You said you're, payday,
0: you're, payday debt collectors are refusing to stop contacting her. Okay, They're obviously so not following the law. They're you know, obviously...
1: What, but you don't know if the under... Okay, so it, is it, was it... Jonas, was it dad's debt? Kelly's dad's debt? Yeah, her dad's debt. Okay, so Kelly's dad, for whatever reason, took out a loan. Sure. They're, they're not saying it's her debt. Right. right. So Kelly's dad, unfortunately, for whatever reason, went out and took out a payday loan. This, this is the last thing. Allegedly, whatever. Well, still, there's some form of thing that happened. Kelly, call your dad and find out if he actually did, right? And if he did, then, okay, it's legitimate. But- you know, because Mike's presuming that it didn't actually exist, and this is someone no. you know extorting. So what what you did. need to what you need Doesn't to find matter. out is if there's actually a legitimate debt. Now, within that, Kelly, ask your dad where did he originate the loan. Every state has some form of regulator on lending. Here in Oregon, it's the Oregon Division of Finance. What if he originated it, it online from a Russian company? Doesn't matter where you are is what
0: matters. So it, and it's not the originator; it's a debt collector at this point that's harassing
1: her. Well, they can be the same thing. The payday, they can be. The payday loan company and the debt Kelly, you're going to have no person.
0: luck doing what Jason says because I represent people in your spot every day, and all you're going to do is have the state tell you, well, they're not registered in Oregon. There's nothing we can do. Uh, but And if you sue them, you better sue John Doe and hire a private investigator because right. they that's are using spoof numbers. They're not licensed or legitimate. But the nice thing about suing John Doe even is that you can get a subpoena, give that to your phone company, and they can often block the calls and and then use that subpoena to reveal to you
1: the actual customer that um, registered the number that's calling you. You Go one step further though, contact the regulatory agency that handles uh, lending in your state. It's usually some form of consumer and business services or finance and corporate securities uh, department that regulates lending. Uh, Report the activity, find out if they're registered to do it. If they're not registered and the activity is persisting, you can file a complaint Uh, If you don't know how to do that and you're still not sure how to do, contact your local attorney general for your state. They usually have some form of consumer protection hotline that you can file a complaint. And if they're doing some form of action and if enough people call in, about that type of activity, then they're going to the, go to Russia and shut these people down. No, no it's no, they're not going to go to Russia and shut much these people down. Cause. It's not a lot. You know, look, you're so downtrodden. That's the problem with you, bleeding heart liberals. Is you think there's no option? Take control of the situation. File a complaint. F- let let the oh, democrats yeah. take, in office take control do and let it. these regulators you know? regulate an entity that's they operating outside the bounds of the law. Yeah, regulation works great when you don't register. You know, here, here's where we didn't go with the. With the conversation, if if you file the complaint and you get some form of subpoena power over the phone company, then uh, based on the action, they can track who the call is coming from, and they can potentially block that call from going to you. And Absolutely. if you take it far enough, the phone company themselves will block the activity, and then it ends up going to a federal action, and then you never see it again. But someday, somewhere down the line, if you don't contact the regulator it'll just keep happening and your little bit of action and your little bit of complaint can result in some greater action down the line don't be afraid to complain to your regulators that creator. is true but
0: don't expect any immediate results either and the I music agree with that music means it's the end of this episode of the underdog lawyer podcast as always submit your questions at www.underdoglawyer.com